0: All right, everybody, welcome to Speak Podcast, episode number three. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, I'm always going to start the podcast like that because without our listeners, we are nothing. Um, I'm very, very excited for our podcast today. We have a first for the Speak podcast. I'm happy that it's happening in episode three. That means it's moving along quickly and we're reaching new avenues because today we have someone on that I have never met before. I don't know them. Um, I was put in contact with them by a friend from school. Um, and that's amazing. That just means that we're reaching new avenues. Um, we're reaching you know new pathways to talk to people and to get to know people other than um, just having people on that I know personally. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really excited. This is an amazing person. I talked to her on the phone earlier this week. Her name is Carly Maida. She is a former division one lacrosse player at Villanova. Um, so without further ado, I just want to get right into it. Um, because I'm really excited to talk to her. Just an amazing person who has a great story to tell. Okay. Does it say that we're recording on your screen? Yes. Okay. Perfect. All right. Give me a second. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's it's. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's Maida, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Great. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm joined here by Carly Maida. Um, she's a former Division One lacrosse player at Villanova. Carly, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad that David connected us. Um, I'm so grateful to be on this podcast and. What I think you're doing is absolutely amazing and I'm just grateful to be a part of it.
0: Yep, shout out to David Kinski, my buddy from <laughs> football. Great guy and he put us in contact with each other. So he's the reason that this is happening. All right, Carly, so I just want to start out by having you kind of introduce yourself to everybody listening, talk about growing up near Villanova, being that kind of have, having that be your family college, quote unquote, your adolescence. Just give us a quick introduction.
1: Sure. So I have been an athlete my entire life. Um, I actually didn't start along with a lot of other people. Um, but I know that it's normal to start playing lacrosse when you're, when you start walking, but that wasn't the case with me. I was a soccer player and I also played basketball and softball, volleyball, whatever. But I was kind of like against lacrosse in a weird way. Cause like everyone did it and I just didn't want to, you know, follow the crowd. But, um, Senior year, or freshman year of high school, a lot of my friends were trying out and I decided, you know, why not? All my friends are doing it. If I make it great, if I don't, whatever. Um, and I happened to make the varsity team as a freshman. And that was so crazy. And me and my parents were so shocked. Like, what? what is this coach thinking? Um, but <laughs> so although I didn't play, I sat on the sidelines and was able to watch a lot of people Um, amazing athletes who went on to play at unc and duke and uva and usc so just sitting back and watching was such a great way to understand the game for someone that had never played before so out my family a lot of people went to villanova um my dad graduated 85 and i had a couple aunts and uncles and cousins that went there as well so um my dad would take my family um I have one younger sister. So he would take my mom, my sister, and I to campus when we were really young. And he would show us where he lived, like what his dorm was um, around the campus. And he brought us there so much that I kind of felt a sense of community early on from a young age. And I was like, wow, I really love it here. And, you know, once college is a topic of discussion in my life, like I think I would love to go here. And while this was all happening and I started to play lacrosse, Um, early sophomore year of high school, I decided, you know, why don't I give it a try and try and play lacrosse there? Because I obviously love the university. I want to go there. But if I could play a sport that I absolutely love there, like it would be a double a double win for me. So Um, I, like anyone going through a high school recruiting process, you're, you know, like sometimes you get looks from some schools, but they don't happen to be what you are looking for. And Villanova wasn't a school that, you know, reached out to me, but I was like, you know, why don't I just give it a shot and reach out to the coach and express my love for the school and my love for lacrosse. And uh from her and i communicating for a little bit and her, she was able to come see a couple of my club lacrosse games um we just clicked and things worked out and i was lucky enough to receive an offer and this was an amazing point of my life yeah because not only did i love the school and i was like wow i'm going to a school that i absolutely love but uh-huh. i get to play a sport that i love on top of it so that was how it all started at villanova yeah.
0: And I think that's how we all feel when we get, you know, accepted into school to play the sport. Yeah. The sport you love. It's always an amazing feeling. Um, yeah. And that's a great story. The right. Fact that you grew up there and we're around it the whole time. I feel like that's mm-hmm. very rare. So that's awesome. Um, right. So just getting into, you know, kind of a little bit of a deeper stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know from our earlier call, what you, you know, right. struggle with. Um, so why don't you tell everybody listening, you know, what you struggle with when did that start and kind of the implications of that in everyday life and then we'll get into what it means you know to be a student athlete struggling with that
1: yeah definitely so i have um generalized anxiety disorder i was diagnosed when i was 13 years old so i was in eighth grade um and basically the signs were this started early on in my life Um, my dad actually has the same disorder and his Mm -hmm blossomed or started when he was in college actually so it was kind of the opposite for us mine started at a very young age and his started when he was in his 20s but um i would say that the earliest signs of this generalized anxiety disorder started in kindergarten when i would go to school every day um this started in elementary school also but i would go to school and i would have these what i didn't know what they were at the time panic attacks at school for whatever reason like like, I just felt uncomfortable in class, or the fire alarm went off, and it scared me, or whatever. Um, and third grade, I was deathly afraid of my teacher for some reason, and I would come home and cry about it every day. And, like, I look back on it now, and I'm like, this is so bizarre that this all happened, but... I was, you know, eight years old. So those were some of the anxieties or triggers that happened to me at that time. But as I got into middle school, I developed this serious phobia of fainting. I had this fear in every single class. I would sit there and just kind of think about, oh, my God, like, what if I faint? Like, yeah. who's going to help me? Like, am I going to wake up kind of thing? Um And I would, you know, eventually convince myself that I was going to faint. I never have in my life still to this day. It's crazy. (laughs) But (laughs) um, I would, you know, make myself lightheaded, get very hot. And then that would, you know, lead to another panic attack. And I just want to say that a lot of people deal with panic attacks differently. Um, It could be, you know, being angry. That's how my dad deals with it. He just gets into this very dark mood. Um, It could be, you know... isolating yourself from other people but for me it was hyperventilation and crying so I would just work myself up and I would say along with this phobia which was the main one I had separation anxiety from my parents and my house so this you know later made me feel like I couldn't even go to school and as soon as I would wake up I would have this panic attack and be like mom I can't go like She's like, Harley. like, it's going to be fine. School's fun. Like, you're going to see all your friends. Like, let's just get you <laughs> <Yeah>. ready, whatever. <laughs> Trying to convince me at a young age. But, um, so she actually had to escort me into the classroom every single day for my entire sixth grade year, um, and then I transferred schools. And when I went to eighth grade, you know, this was on top of an underlying disorder that I had. I had to deal with meeting a whole crowd of new people, you know, meeting yeah. new friends and people who didn't know what I was going through. And obviously at a young age, you don't want to have to explain that because you're not yeah. sure if people are going to understand. But um, so this, you know, w- happened throughout seventh grade and eighth grade. And then one day was, I think the breaking point for me where at 13 years old, I realized, you know, something is wrong. Like it's not, it's more than me just being like a young bratty preteen. Like it's, it's my everyday routine shouldn't have to be this affected by, you know, something that's going on inside of my head. So, um, this particular day I, snuck my phone into class and I had a panic attack and I ran to the bathroom and just stayed there and called my mom. And I was like, mom, you need to come pick me up. Like I, something's wrong. I can't do this anymore. Like, I want to go to the doctor. So I went to my parents at 13 and was like, can I go to the pediatrician? Like, I think we need to discuss medication. And Mm -hmm. they were so supportive. Thank goodness. Like, um, they have been two people that have really, you know, made dealing with this, disorder um doable and my dad is on medication as well so i tried lexapro um and i've been on it ever since to this day i still take it and i'm lucky that it only took one trial run to find one medication that worked because like you probably know and have heard from other people like some people go through a couple medications and deal with side effects before they find the one that's right for them but that was the one that worked for me and I was lucky and it changed, um, the way that I, you know, felt every day while I would still have my anxious waves. It wasn't affecting my everyday routine, you know, getting up and going Mm -hmm. to school. So high school was a much better time for me. Um, although, you know, high schools, high schoolers are still a little immature. Like I felt like I was growing in a mental state, you know, getting a good grasp of what my disorder is and trying to figure out ways that i can you know go through a school day without having a panic attack so um i don't know if you want me to talk about it in college or we want to pause for a second but then obviously that went through college as well but i can talk about that once we get into the sports more (laughs)
0: yeah well that's amazing that um you had like from the very start you had a support system right people that you knew Mm -hmm understood and accepted you. I think that was super important probably in making you feel like it was okay, you know? Right. Am mm-hmm. I right in saying that?
1: No, definitely. I think um even I think it's hard because I talk to a lot of people and, you know, I'm so lucky that I had two parents that were welcoming and understanding and not afraid to, you know, go to the doctor and present yeah. their child and be like, she needs help. But there's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable going to their parents and they're not accepting for whatever reason. And you know, that's okay. That happens too. And I think that there's other ways you can get support, whether that be from your friends or your grandparents or cousins or a therapist. I was going to a therapist twice a week, um, from sixth grade to high school. And that was awesome because it's someone who, has no bias on your life and can, you know, really understand and devote their time to you and only you. Um, so I think those are other ways that you can get support.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you deal with this through adolescence, high school, you get to mm-hmm. Villanova. I know just from being a student athlete, the days are, are long, right? You have school and mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. hours and hours of sports on top of that. How did this right. um, affect? or enhance what was going on, you know, mentally?
1: So I think that it was different every year of college. I think freshman year obviously is such a change for everybody. And if you have a type of mental illness or disorder, I feel like the change that you're going through just heightens all those emotions, So obviously playing a sport, I had to figure out this daily routine from waking up at 6am and going to lift and then making sure that I have enough time to eat something before I go to my 830 class. And then after your 830 class, you might have another class before you have to like sprint across campus to get to the stadium in time for practice. And obviously there's repercussions. You probably have them too. If like you're late and you're, you know, you'll get your entire team in trouble. So while it was, you know, worrying about your routine and what you're getting done, you also didn't want to, you know, mess up because then it could affect someone else or your entire team. Um, and I think that, you know, then you go to practice and while you were just worrying about all this schoolwork you had to do, now you have to completely switch your mindset to focus on, what's going on at practice, you know, whether you're learning a new play, you have to do this motion right, whatever that is. And then when practice is over, you have to flip the switch again and get, like, homework mode on. And then, like, by the end of the day, you're absolutely exhausted. And it's like, what just happened? I just blacked out for the entire day. Like, and then, (laughs) you know, you go to bed and you're like, wow, I have to do this all over again the next day. So it's, it's a lot of... I think student athletes are so mentally tough in the sense that it's a lot of like mental switching and you have to really Mm -hmm. like switch your mindset very quickly, but that can be very stressful for people. And I've totally been there and have you, I'm sure you've been there too. Like sometimes it just, yeah. yeah, Sometimes it just gets to a point where you're like, it's great to be in a routine, but you're like, I just need to take a second and breathe, you know, like for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when, like, you're struggling or, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like sometimes it just doesn't, like, turn off, like, and you need mm-hmm. just, like, like a second to breathe. Exactly. Um, so I, one thing I related a lot to in your little blurb that you sent me mm-hmm. was the, um, quote, unquote, pressure. That, you know, builds a student athlete when you have teammates relying on you when you're, I mean, you know, very hard on yourself, yourself critical. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what you meant by the pressure? Um, I know you (laughs) talked about watching your teammate go through the same thing. Um, So what was that like? Explain what it looked like, how it presented itself, what it felt like.
1: Right. So I think that pressure comes from like 8,000 different directions. I don't even think there's yeah, one absolutely. definition. Um, first pressure I think is from yourself. Um, sometimes I would just get so frustrated to practice because, you know, I couldn't do a move right or something, or I really wasn't getting a grasp on a play or I had a bad practice and then you leave practice and you just feel so bad about yourself. Like yeah. I just wasted three <laughs> hours outside and, you know, I don't feel like I got better and you know, there's other people on the team that are progressing and I feel like I'm not on the same page with them. So I think comparing yourself to other people is kind of hard. And I know everyone says like, you know, you should never compare yourself to anyone else, but when you're an athlete, I mean, you're essentially practicing to get playing yeah, time. Like
0: you
1: do, <laughs> right? It's it's a tryout all the time. So I think that that goes into the stresses or the stressors of self pressure. But that also comes with you know pressure from coaches, pressures from strength trainers, or even like your um, athletic trainers. If you're injured, like it's on you to go into the training room and yeah. get um, get treatment. And you, that's another thing that you have to find time to do throughout your day. So I think, you know, obviously coaches are going to be tough on you. It doesn't matter what like division one, two or three you play, like you're a student athlete, you're a college athlete, like it's a completely different game from high school. And I think that sometimes we take things so personally sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're told that, you know, don't take everything so personally, it's just practice. We just expect better of you, but you know, we're kids like it's so hard to take Uh. everything that our coaches say with a grain of salt because we're still growing like mentally and we're still growing as an athlete and the pressure from coaches is hard. And you know, that goes back to self pressure because then you question yourself, like you question yourself worth as an athlete or even as a person. And yeah, um, Some people even might feel pressure from their parents, you know, to be on the starting lineup and have to play. And while you're feeling pressure from yourself and your coach and now your parents who aren't even at school, it's like, (laughs) where's the where's like the positive recognition from someone that I need? You know, so I think that that's and also academics, I think we or coaches and athletes sometimes forget about academics, like even especially in season, you know you have to maintain good grades or else you can't even play the sport. And, yeah. you know,
0: well, see, you that's all about of... when like all you're doing is when all that everybody's focused about on is like sports and the game coming up or the practice that you need right. to do or all the, it, all the installs you need to make all the plays. It's hard. It's, mm-hmm. or it's easy rather to forget about the fact that, Oh, like these are student athletes that have an entire other part, of life that they need to, like, focus on, like, they're here for Mm -hmm. the education and stuff. And then also, yeah, I feel like the whole being self-critical thing is such a double-edged sword because, Mm -hmm. you know, most successful people are incredibly self-critical. That's why they improve and why you get to the spot where you are. But also, at the same time, it's like it can take a serious toll on you if it goes too far if you're not mm-hmm. able to keep things in perspective and that was always something I struggled with was keeping things in perspective like oh like I had a horrible day of practice I'm I suck I'm worthless what am I doing like it right. would, that was exactly like, and it was there was no like I was very bad at being objective and going like oh well everyone has bad days of practice for me it was like mm-hmm. no like this is this means everything like this is this is me so too. bad me too um, yeah I feel like yeah I feel like so many people that happens to and it sucks because I don't know. There's really just, like, no one teaches you how to deal with that. Nobody really talks about it either while you're, like, growing up and while you're in youth sports. It's not, I feel like it's not an emphasis or not something that people, like, understand, really.
1: Right. I think back to what you said that sometimes, you know, professional athletes obviously are self-critical of themselves to an extent, but I think, you know, awareness and having awareness of what a healthy level of self-criticism is to make sure that you're bettering yourself but like you said it can get so ugly at times that you just are constantly hounding yourself and making yourself seem so like you're not good at something but when reality like you're playing a sport at a college and oh my god my dog (laughs) 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 you're playing playing a sport at college and a million people would kill to have your spot but you know like your coach chose you for a reason and i think that's so hard to grasp sometimes like, yeah, she picked me for a reason, whatever. Like, but it's like, she's right. And your coach is right. And these people are right. Like you worked so hard to get to this spot and you have to kind of give yourself some props sometimes. Like I've been saying a lot, it's okay to be proud of yourself and show it like there's, it's not, that doesn't mean you're being cocky. It doesn't mean you're being, you know, it's, it's, I think it's healthy to give yourself you know some props sometimes but I think that Absolutely,
0: you're right yeah. it's it's definitely so okay yeah. to give yourself props it's just like yeah it's hard to remember that hard. that's necessary yeah so mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about on the show I've talked a lot about with my guests <laughs> injuries um I know that right. you told me you had a pretty serious injury was it your ACL correct
1: yes and fun fact it actually my surgery was two years ago today
0: wow happy anniversary <laughs> yeah.
1: May the 4th be with you.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. So I I was horrible mentally dealing with injuries. Um right. What was it like for you?
1: Yeah, so I, until this happened, I never broke anything. I would have kind of more like the tedious injuries. I would deal with, you know, back pain and back injuries, Um Tendinitis, oh my god shin splints like the ones that you can't really fix but they just like come and go yeah. and you have to mm-hmm. so that those type of injuries i feel like are so mentally tough to deal with because it's like it's not getting better you know like mm-hmm. and it's completely stopping me from running and like where i might not even be out of breath like my legs freaking hurt and there's nothing you can do about it other than ice and, you know, rest. But yeah. when can you rest? You know, you can't rest unless you're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so, um, I actually first real injury, I would say I, I tore my ACL, um, with three games left in my junior season. And this was so crazy. It was one of those things that I was like, Oh, I've never, had to deal with a broken bone, like I never ever thought that I would have to deal with a torn ACL, you know. Yeah, and it's such a crazy injury that's happening to so many people, and there's so many reasons to why it could happen. You know, the type of cleats you're wearing, or oh, are you playing on turf or grass? Um, was it contact? Was it non-contact? And I f- so believe, I believe this so strongly that it was a result of my mind not being fully healthy. Really? Um, a lot, yeah, a lot of times I say like healthy mind, healthy body. And I mm-hmm. totally believe that this was an outcome of, you know, me not being fully mentally stable. Um, junior year was probably the hardest year of lacrosse for me. Um, I dealt with a lot of self-worth issues mm-hmm. and, you know, I took the pressure from coaches You know, very, very seriously and to heart. And I kind of felt like this was a year that was, you know, very negative in my life. And, you know, unfortunately, some people will go through this and it's normal. It's okay to admit that, you know, this wasn't the best year for me. But I think that in a weird way, this saved me from, you know, stopping playing lacrosse because I was at the point where I was crying every single day, whether it be during practice or after practice or having to run off the field and go collect myself in the bathroom. And I was so, this is when I was depressed, I think at school. And I told my parents, I'm like, I am at the point where I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I said the words like, I want to quit. And it sucks for parents who are, you know, sometimes their biggest cheerleaders and they know what you're capable of. And you've been so strong for the past three years. And my parents are like, "What? you're going to throw it all away after three years. But it's like mom and dad, like I know that, but mentally it has done such a number on me. And I don't know if I can do it for another year. And I think that this injury was like a sign from God to tell me, Carly, like, That don't do like that is not the right decision like Mm -hmm. you love sports you've been a sport junkie your entire life like (laughs) you know and i love lacrosse and i miss playing the game so much and and you know what this injury i had to stop and think to myself like I had a decision to make, you know, am I going to have the surgery as soon as I can and rehab for a year and so I can get back to playing in time for senior year. And, you know, that is the decision that I made because like all of us, we're very competitive people. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to. To finish my rehab in time for the first game senior year, and unfortunately, a year from when I tore my ACL was, you know, like three games. It was going to be three games into my senior season, and I was like, yeah. "There's no way I'm sitting out a game. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes." So, I had the surgery as soon as I could. Um, sorry, my freaking dog Daisy, come it's here. Okay, go. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> she's gonna sit and moan the whole time. Um, but I. <laughs> Um, so I had the surgery as soon as I could. And I was like, this sucks also because I can't get a summer internship where yeah. aside from all the sports happening, there's like my career path that I need to work on. And it's like, do the summer internship and don't rehab and don't play your senior year or do the rehab, sacrifice the summer internship and like be ready to play. So I rehabbed all summer, um, I actually kind of liked the rehab in a weird way. I loved my physical therapist. He was awesome. Um, And, you know, it's awesome because you get one person to just help you heal. And I think that I was talking to one of my friends, this is a little side note, but I was talking to one of my friends um, about having sports psychologists on campus. And I think that it would be a great resource for these athletes. And, you know, some colleges have one sports psychologist and talks to the team which is great because the team can you know get therapy together but my friend said look like for your acl are you going to go to a physical therapist with a group of 35 other people and heal that way no you need one person to rehab you by themselves and you know devote all their time to you so just like that athletes should have one sports psychologist for a team that you know they can go to personally yeah. because yeah. their their problems or their stresses might be different from you know people on their team, and I think that is really important in the sense that if you like, did you have a sports psychologist?
0: We didn't. I always yeah yeah when I was really str- so that's funny because I really started struggling junior year. Then the mm-hmm. last guest I had on Demarte, that's when he really started struggling. And now, yeah, that's when you really started struggling. I feel like, I don't know. There, I I don't want to, like, look too deep into it. But that's just such, like, a, a turning point in your life when you're finally, like, at least for me, that was when I was like, oh, like, I'm already halfway through college. Like, I'm mm-hmm. about to go into the real world. And then, plus, like, the added sports pressure, I feel like it just gets to people a lot.
1: I feel like that, you know, like, people say the sophomore slump, but it's, like, the junior slump where – you're almost completed your career but you're at such a crucial point in your athletic career where like you know the routine you know everything that's going on and I feel like that gets to people sometimes you know
0: yeah so Um, I really wish that we had a sports psychologist right I would have I mean if we had somebody there that was like dedicated to talking to athletes about this stuff I would have I mean, felt so much more comfortable finally like mm-hmm. breaking down my barriers because if because that's their job. Like that's what they're there for. Exactly. And clearly, if they're exactly. on staff, they're there for a reason. They're there because athletes mm-hmm. struggle. And that would have like completed the whole cycle in my mind that made me realize I was okay and that it wasn't like it was normal for me to be struggling. But right. that just because, wasn't. like it wasn't there.
1: Yeah. And I agree with what you said. Like it would kind of make people feel more normal like you just said going to this one person every day because oh like other people on your team are going to this one person and you know it's a cycle and it makes sense but um yeah no back to the injury like if I had somebody to talk to even throughout this injury and I give so much support to um or so much credit to the athletic trainers that I had um that we had on campus because without them I don't know what i would have done like they Same. were the sports psychologist that like we didn't have you know and i think that's that so they to get say that, yeah. right like they deserve so much more credit you know like i tell them i'm like you're my therapist like you're the best like i can talk to you about anything but you know it would be it would be nice if they could do like they didn't have to worry about that they could yeah, just do the injury job, prevention you know? yeah. yeah right i can't tell you um, how many but,
0: times Sorry, I I just like I want to piggyback off that no, point. No, go for just it, yeah. A little shout out, because I went through. I mean, freshman year I tore my hamstring. Sophomore oh, year I got a I got a bad concussion at the end of the season and mm-hmm. tore my labrum. Junior year, oh my I god, sprained my ankle in preseason, and then mm-hmm. senior year I had a sprained ankle. Then I tore. I mean, I just destroyed oh my bicycle people and had to get surgery yeah i've had a rough go of things <laughs> but yeah what? Wow. i'm um, sorry
1: are you okay oh, <laughs> yeah
0: i mean yeah i'm fine now we'll see we'll check back up on me in 15 years i'll probably have the body yeah. for seven years but um
1: <laughs> me too
0: my um yeah i can't tell so my my athletic training staff have have this like reputation for being like these hardos like this like hard okay. external shell like people that don't know them they're like <laughs> they're like mean you know oh okay, yeah i can't tell you how many times i've like cried to my like the head athletic trainer oh, in his please. Office. like just because like after please. my concussion, yeah. after my shoulder mm-hmm. or like i found out my senior season was over And they Mm -hmm. were the best support staff. Like, I still talk to – shout out Matt, shout out Becky. I still talk to Mm -hmm. Matt every day. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they they were incredible. But, like, if you had – if we had somebody there that that was their sole job, they didn't have to worry about taping everybody up for practice or, you know, Mm -hmm. it would have been – it would have been – yeah, it would have been really, really helpful, I think, to a lot of people. Just me, or not just the people that were like struggling the most, but even people who were just having like kind of bad days, just to go talk exactly to somebody about it. Yeah, you know, but that's no, I agree exist. 100%. Did you have no? Sports- and
1: no, so we, um, towards the end, I-, I think it was like my junior year, we had one woman, um, that we met with probably like I would say in season more, but like a few times over Skype. And it would be my entire team in a room and we would talk to her. Yeah, it was a group thing. And it was great because, you know, we could whatever, you know, teams go through like whatever they whatever they go through in season. Like, obviously, there's some like heightened emotions. And it was awesome to talk to one woman um, about, you know, what our team is feeling and what we could do to perform better on the field. So that was amazing. But it's not the same as going me no. by myself and going to talk to you as a sports psychologist to let you know how me i'm feeling personally because exactly. how i'm feeling could be so different than how everyone else is feeling and yeah. you can't really share that in this group sh- setting you can't just really yeah. be like well i people be like this is a group thing you know like
0: <laughs> yeah so Just, I feel like this is a perfect segue. So, when you were in these lows, when you had these like really hard times in your career or, yeah, in your Mm -hmm. sports career, um, there was no, you know, you had no sports psychologist to lean on. So, we had to figure out different ways and different ways to get support. I know (laughs) in your blurb you talked about your teammates being your support system. Mm -hmm. So, how, what was that like? Like, how much of a difference did that make knowing that your teammates had your back?
1: Yeah. So, I think it's so important to, you know, form relationships and not even be teammates like a family. Like we always said that we were a family. These are my sisters. Like those are your brothers and kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And outside of practice, even, you know, sitting in the locker room and just talking to a couple of the girls or having like team meetings, I think is such an important part of, you know, forming that relationship and, helping other people to feel open about, you know, talking about something that happened at practice and this is how it made me feel. So, and, you know, even talking to one person, like, I think that these girls on the team, like, I felt comfortable going to every single one of them and talking about something that I wanted to talk about, but it was reciprocated, you know? Like, it wasn't a one sided thing, like, where I would tell them how I was feeling and they would listen. Like, they would feel comfortable telling me how they were feeling and I would listen. And it was awesome because we would just try and like help each other in whatever way. Like, we're going to go to, like, we would say to each other, like, we're going to go to practice. We're going to have a kick-ass practice. Like we're going to smile the entire time. Like no (laughs) matter what happens. Like, and it like makes it fun. Like, you know, it makes it fun at times. And like, I don't know. It's as those little things like that. But, um, aside from my teammates, like I said, the athletic trainers are just incredible people. I, Mm -hmm. I like aspire to be like them when I'm older. Um, I think, you know, Just even like your athletic director or like coaches or other coaches, I think that wherever you can find somebody that's willing to listen and, you know, talk to you and understand what you're going through. I think that you just have to it's hard for people to do, but go looking for that person and put yourself out there and, you know, express to them. 'Cause I'm sure you there's somebody in the athletic department that would be more than happy to sit down and talk with yeah. you because we are their athletic department, you know, like without <laughs> student athletes <it's> like, <laughs> it's you know. Um, but yeah, so that I feel like teammates and trainers and like, you know, you see these people every day. So you start to form relationships with them. Like I still talk to, you know, some of the trainers and obviously my teammates, like they're my, we're going to be friends forever. But yeah, um, I think that it's so much more than talking about sports related anxiety and sports related stressors. Like these people are your friends for life. So I think it's just awesome what they did. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now that you're, you know, done with, villanova and then being a student athlete your goal i know is the same as mine you have a youtube uh, channel dedicated to it and it's breaking Mm -hmm. the stigma that surrounds mental health and sports what are so what what are the risks of this are you afraid of you know being judged for doing this and also how can the listeners find you if they're interested in hearing more from you
1: yeah definitely um so this was honestly born out of quarantine. I had wanted to make a YouTube channel for a long time now. Um, and I've always been an advocate for mental health. I like to mm-hmm. post about it a lot on my Instagram, um, just to, you know, show people that it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to admit, you know, that everybody, everybody has mental health and it's important to keep it sound and healthy. And, and, yeah that's what I wanted to do with this YouTube channel. I thought that it would mean even more um, to film myself, you know, talking to these people so they could uh-huh. see that this is real. Like this is me. And I can't tell you how much, you know, love and support I've gotten from people from my high school, people from college, like people who I didn't even know. I had a couple, um, one girl DM me from the Maryland women's lacrosse team. And I'm like, if you know, women's Across Maryland is like, amazing so i was like (laughs) holy like this is so cool and like she's thanking me for making this video i'm like i look up to you and like you are i'm so glad that she saw it and you know i'm just trying to create this network between people and this community that it's okay to talk about these things but like you said that comes with a risk and Mm -hmm a lot of those thoughts went through my head before I even made the channel. And I kind of said something in my first video that I made talking about my disorder. And I said, look, like, I know some people are going to have their opinions about what I'm doing. Like you're on YouTube. That's so weird, but you know, I'd rather help people and where there's a risk, there's a reward. And I hope that, you know, this encourages other people to yeah. you know talk about it in the future and not only talk about it, but, understand what other people are going through and understand that you know mental illness and mental health is a real thing and i just hope that it will grow the conversation like you're doing with this podcast but um you know i have unfortunately received some you know negativity surrounding the channel and i think that you know that's just important to realize that if you're going to put something out on the internet and for everyone to see just be prepared that you know although not everybody's going to agree with what you're saying and that's completely fine um, just as long as people can understand what you're trying to say and what the bigger message is, I think is important. So, um, and if you'd like to check out my YouTube channel, um, it's just Carly Maida, C-A-R-L-Y-E-M-A-I-T-A. And we talk about, um, all things mental health. So it doesn't even have to be sports. It can be, um, with relationships and anxiety and depression and how to cope with these things. And, it's still a baby channel, but there will be more yeah. videos to come. Same. Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. So I always end interviews by asking the guest to mm-hmm. say something to someone who's struggling out there that might be listening. Encouragement, advice, just a 30-second thing for anybody who might be struggling.
1: So I think acceptance is such an important word. Um when I finally accepted that there was a deeper root to what I was feeling with my disorder and you don't even have to have a disorder, even if you're feeling anxious at one point or you're feeling sadness, I think accepting that it is okay to feel this way will open up a mindset yeah. and a door for somebody to come and help you. And another thing, um, some people are scared to ask for help because you know they don't want to put their problems and it's okay to, you know, it's okay to ask for help because you might talk to someone that's feeling the exact same way as you. So never be afraid to talk about what you're feeling. Don't be ashamed or feel like you're weak or there's something wrong with you because millions of people are going through the same thing you are. And especially during quarantine and what's going on now, I think that talking about it is so much more important right now because, you know, you could save your life and you could save someone else's life. And I think if, as long as you can help break the stigma, people will, you know, be so much more confident in themselves. And I think just, it'll create a bigger sense of community surrounding mental health. So I think just accept who you are and don't mm-hmm. be afraid to admit something and you'll find positive outcomes because of that. So, Perfect. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Thank well, you. Carly, you were fantastic. Thank you so much for thank
1: coming. Thank you, on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This was so awesome, and I wish you the best of luck um, with the podcast to come. And anytime you want to chat again, I'm always here.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. And that is going to wrap up episode number three. Again, thank you so much to Carly Maida for coming on. Um, it's funny after we stopped recording, before she hung up, she was. You know, apologizing for how long it went and how long she was talking, but that's what we want. We want open dialogue here. That's the whole point of this. Um, I'd much rather have a 45-minute episode where everything that someone says is valuable than not letting them say enough and only having it be 20 minutes or um, trying to cut them short. So this was incredible. Um, she had so much Good advice, so much good advice to share to those who are struggling. And such an amazing story just um, from her own personal point of view. So thank you again for listening. Um, I'll see you next week. Uh, We have another episode lined up next week that I'm super excited about. Um, So remember, Mind Matters signing off. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, our website, and YouTube. Please subscribe um, so that you can keep up with us. Thank you.